Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Welcome to Talking Trading. At the end of last year, Bitcoin mania hit the markets. With a parabolic advance on price action, a single Bitcoin, once worth a few cents, became worth nearly $20,000. The price has now dropped back down to under 10000 but the buzz about cryptocurrencies and their place in the world remains. Are we in a sea of change in the monetary markets with revolutionary technology? Or is this all hype and mania? There is mystery and confusion about Bitcoin and 180 degree views about its future. The advances in our technology and the internet have given rise to a new technology, the blockchain. Will blockchain do what the internet did for computers? Is Bitcoin the MySpace of cryptocurrencies where it's the precursor, but ultimately won't be the preeminent vehicle? These are all questions the experts are pondering. Next week, we hear from charting legend Peter Brandt on the mania, and down the track, we will hear from Chris Tate. But for now, former Bankers Trust share trader Michael New gives a clear explanation of the mechanics of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. One of the questions asked about Bitcoin is, is it safe? And since this recording, an exchange has been hacked in Japan and $655 million stolen. We do address this issue of safety later in the interview. But for now, let's hear from Louise Bedford in MindPower on what is your trader's code? At night, before my children go to bed, we often read books. I've been reading them a book series where Melvin Biederman is a superhero. He wears a cape and he answers to the superhero's code. One of the aspects of this code is that he must always answer a cry for help. It got me thinking, what's your code? What is your trader's code? What are the rules that you live by so that you will survive the markets and thrive? The code that governs how you behave will be there for you in times of stress. I thought I could read to you a few of the things that I wrote down after I had this idea about developing a trader's code in my morning journal. In my journal, I wrote, I follow my trading plan at all times. I will stop entering new positions and consult a higher authority if I lose 25% or more of my trading equity. 
Let's just stop there for a moment. We know that if we lose 25% of our trading equity, that is a bit of a tipping point. It is the time where you need to make over 30% on your remaining equity in order to get back to break even. And we know that that is a tricky thing to do. So by consulting a higher authority, hopefully that person, actually I've got three people on that list, will set me on the right track. And I do urge you to put that into your trading plan. I also have that I will review my trading plan every six months. I'm not saying make wild changes and I certainly don't change my trading plan for that particular share or position mid-trade, but I do look over what is in my trading plan to make sure that it is still accurate and that I'm following it to the letter. The other aspect that I've written down is that when I'm making money, my position sizes will increase. And when I'm losing money, my position sizes will decrease. Now that's called an anti-martingale approach and it's the approach that every good gambler in the casinos actually adopt as their own. When the markets are running hard and hot, you need to learn to be a pig. You pyramid aggressively. You increase your position sizes and you need a method to be able to do that. If you don't have a method like that, I do urge you to find one. It will make the world of difference. I hope that you can have a think about your trader's code, the things that you believe about the markets and the things that you will follow without question. It will simplify your trading and it will simplify your trader's life. Hello, I'm Daryl Guppy. I'm the inventor of the Guppy Multiple Moving Average, and I listen to Talking Trading. It gives me some edges in the current market. Michael New worked as a proprietary quant trader for Bankers Trust. He has spent over 10 years in the financial technology sector and has delved deeply into the cryptocurrency world. We talk to him now to get an understanding of the mechanics behind Bitcoin and blockchain technology. Share trader Michael New. Hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hey, welcome. Has Bitcoin really changed the world? Mike, what is Bitcoin and what is blockchain technology? Good question. It's in the process of changing the world, 100%. Why? It's a bit of a revolution in technology. And the, and the, and the simple way of looking at it is if you look at like the banking system and money, with the banking system, we have a, a central bank that maintains a ledger of all of the deposits and withdrawals that go in and out of that bank. So there's one organization that's controlling and monitoring that, that money. In the blockchain world, the ledger, instead of sitting in with one person or with one bank, it sits across hundreds of thousands or even eventually millions of computers across the world. The information in it's completely open. It's distributed. It's like the internet of uh, information storage, if you like. It's what it's what the internet did to computers. Blockchain is going to do for information storage, and you can store anything, not just monetary exchange, not just transactions, but it's being used for identity verification. It's been used for mortgage transactions. It's been used for land titles. It's being used for healthcare. So because it's 
not regulated by anyone in particular and it's completely trustworthy because of the mathematics and the crypt cryptography that goes on in it, it's distributed around the world. So it's fail-safe, it's immutable, which means no one can go and change it, no one can fake transactions. The technology is quite, is quite revolutionary and it is in the process of changing the world. So let's talk about what Bitcoin actually is. So, so Bitcoin is a currency that's been built on top of this blockchain technology. So all that people are doing with Bitcoin is they're using it as a store of value and a mechanism for, of exchange and a means of exchange. So just like we found a bunch of dirt and decided it was worth $10,000 an ounce or whatever gold's worth nowadays. So it's just a, it's just a pure um, arbitrary uh, mechanism of exchange for people that with Bitcoin has been implemented on top of the blockchain technology. There's only 21 million in circulation. Sure. And it's going to be capped around there somewhere. Um, but the thing with Bitcoin is that it trades down to eight decimal places. So, you know, you can buy and sell 0.00001 of a Bitcoin. And the transaction fees on these exchanges and the speed of transaction is such that it makes selling, you know, one hundred thousandth of a Bitcoin viable. Let's talk about the origins of Bitcoin after the 08 crash. This guy called Satoshi Nakamoto, or it may be a pseudonym, no one really knows who it is or what produced it, set up Bitcoin.org uh, in, yeah, in 2008, published a white paper which, which completely outlined how the technology works, how all the mathematics works as well. A couple of months later, he actually just put all his code open sourced out onto the internet for people to use as they will. Why this person or group of persons decided to do this, I'm not really sure, but the technology does is, is taking us through a revolution in the way humans organize from centralized control to decentralized peer-to-peer -peer, uh, authority, distributed authority. So is Bitcoin safe? It's a good question. Um, and to answer that question, we've actually had to look at that whole ecosystem around Bitcoin. The blockchain itself is safe. Mathematically, it's safe. Potentially, with the advent of quantum computing, which is going to speed up our computing power like 100 million times, maybe, you know, maybe that poses a threat to it sometime in the future. But, but right now, mathematically, the blockchain is is considered safe based on the level of computing power people have in the world. Can it be hacked? It can be hacked. Not the math, but the way that humans implement it and the way that humans uh, use it can definitely be can definitely be hacked. Because so, it's not just buying the Bitcoin, it's also storing the Bitcoin and keeping it safe. It is. It is. Look, the biggest the biggest threats if you look at the whole ecosystem, you know, the whole transaction cycle as you're talking about, um the biggest threats are, you know, number one is hacking. So the same way that our banks, like the National Australia Bank and our stock exchanges, like the Australian Stock Exchange, any exchange or any Bitcoin wallet has to implement the same kind of security features around the blockchain to stop hackers getting in. And these organizations are actually unregulated. Most of them are unregulated at the moment. And, you know, anyone that can program... You know, it's like two men and a dog can set up a 
can set up a wallet and can set up a Bitcoin exchange. It's a real concern. People who don't really know what they're doing can offer services. So that's number one. That's the number one threat. Having said that, you know, there are a lot of reputable uh, exchanges and wallets out there that haven't been, you know, that, that are doing things in a really good way. And there are a number that are government regulated, like there's 20 odd exchanges in Japan and a few in, in the US that are now government regulated. So, so hacking is a concern. Um, and, you know, to, to quantify this, there have been hundreds of millions of dollars of Bitcoin hacked out of people's accounts in the past. The next, the next, um, and that's not due to the technology, it's due to how people have implemented the technology. Um, the second thing is counterparty risk. So again, you know, anyone with a few thousand dollars can set up an exchange. They can go out of business at any point in time, the same way the Australian Stock Exchange could go out of business or, or a bank could fail. Again, you know, buyer beware, be careful who you're dealing with in the space, what exchanges you leave your money on, etc. Um, how, how do you get Bitcoin? Where do you get it? How do you get it? Yeah. You sign up for an exchange, essentially. So if you're buying it in Aussie dollars, there are three or four Australian exchanges. You just sign up. You have to go through the AML and um, KYC, so the anti-money laundering and know your customer uh, registration like you do when you set up a share trading account. And then you just, exactly the same way you do with your broker, you um, deposit Australian dollars into that exchange. And then on the exchange, you trade Aussie for Bitcoin. And so that's how you get Bitcoin. And they store it in their Bitcoin wallet on that exchange for you. In a world full of metals, is Bitcoin ever going to replace gold or silver? Is it going to be able to compete with gold and silver? What's its place? <laughs> yeah, good question. Well, that, you know, that's a bit like asking if the market's going to go up or down, um, which, of course, none of us know. So no one, look, no one really knows. And Bitcoin itself, again, as I said, you know, Bitcoin is the first cryptocurrency out there. Technically, it's kind of relatively naive. There's a whole swathe of other, other, other cryptocurrencies at the moment that offer so much more um, functionality and that are being used for real world uses that, you know, Bitcoin might be around for a few years and then one of these other cryptos is just going to take over and it's going to be the mainstream one. We just, you know, we just don't know. But to answer your question in respect to mainstream markets, the collective, collective humans will decide how they want to exchange value, whether it's in gold, whether it's in fiat currencies, or whether it's in cryptocurrencies. And, you know, that is yet to be seen. You actually mine for Bitcoin, like, you know, they're using the term, like, you mine for gold. Yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny um, coincidence, or maybe not coincidence, but it's a great choice of words. So I don't do any mining myself. But the way a lot of, and not all cryptocurrencies use mining, but the way Bitcoin and a lot of them are, are created is that essentially um, you have to go through a certain amount of cryptographic computational work on a computer. And when you've done enough of it, it says, right, you know, you've done X amount of work, therefore you now own one Bitcoin. And the difficulty of doing this goes up over time so that as our computers get faster, you know, we're not causing inflation by increasing the, the supply. So there are businesses around making lots and lots of money at the moment that all they do is have massive data centers of computers mining cryptocurrencies. 
Let's talk about government intervention because it's such a mania at the moment. Will the government intervene to stop this? Well, the government has intervened in certain in certain areas. And in the past, when anything, look, what does the government care about? You know, the government cares about two things, you know, population control and taxation um, and probably more. But they're, they're the two simple things that, you know, I see here. And there's been a history in the U.S. of people inventing like Liberty Dollars in Hawaii. And then in 2007, somebody created this thing called Light Gold. Basically, you know, Light Gold got shut down. The guy that invented Liberty Dollars went to jail. Um, so the government has a track record, U.S. government at least, has a track record of um, cracking down on other forms of exchange. So why hasn't so Bitcoin been cracked down on? It has in certain, it has in certain areas. So... Um, the Chinese government banned ICOs. So an ICO is an initial coin offering, very similar to an IPO. And the US government has cracked down on a couple of things. And each time one of these governments cracks down, the Thai government made it illegal, the whole thing illegal in 2013. Each time a crackdown happens, the price crashes by, you know, 30, 40%. But of course, well, but so far it's always rebounded. And the government uses, of course, the government uses terrorism and crime as the reasons for cracking down. And, of course, like any technology, the same way paper money is used, um, this technology can be used that way as well. It is a massive threat to anyone wanting to keep centralized control. And I suspect the government will put in a lot of things in place to ensure that they keep their taxation dollars but it's almost impossible for them to actually stop this happening because because the ledger is distributed. Bitcoin ecosystem is distributed on hundreds of thousands or millions of computers around the world. If people say no, they've literally got to walk into every house and turn that computer off. It's a, you know, it's a pretty big ask. So there's an argument that Bitcoin isn't the bubble. Quantitative easing is the bubble. You can look at it this way. You know, Bitcoin is the market cap of cryptocurrencies about is about 150 billion. You know, the market cap of gold, the gold market, and the foreign exchange markets are eight trillion. Like gold markets are valued at eight US trillion at the moment. I'm told the FX markets, I think, are even bigger. So Bitcoin is a blip on the mainstream financial market at the moment. And you can so you can look at it two ways. Um, the bulls look at it as well as money flows out of mainstream into Bitcoin. You know, if Bitcoin goes up to 1% of the mainstream markets, that's like 100 or 1,000 times more capital inflow into Bitcoin. What's that going to do to the price? Is it here to stay? Uh, blockchain technology is 100% here to stay. The Australian Stock Exchange, for example, is using blockchain to implement their new, if I get this right, settlement system. So there are a lot of mainstream financial institutions that are going to use blockchain because it's cheaper to run than their existing computer systems. So blockchain is here to stay, and it, it affects all industries, not, not just financial, as I said. The other thing that's been mooted is basically the Australian government has, has indicated that in the next tech 10 years that they will go blockchain for the Aussie dollar. And the IMF has also indicated that in the next 10 years, they're keen to see blockchain, to see all fiat currencies move on to e-cash, onto the blockchain. Is it now, a monetary revolution? 
it's a it's a technological revolution. I mean, it's still a form of exchange. It's still money, and there's still human nature, you know. So, and there's still government regulation, and there's still people that want to control and people that don't want to control. It will lower the cost of doing business in many many different areas, and and it will also in, increase the level of security and transparency and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there are upsides and there are downsides, but, you know, society is going through such huge changes, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Michael New, Bitcoin specialist, trader, thank you for your time coming on to Talking Trading to talk about this mania that has taken the markets. Complete mania. Thanks, Caroline. Been a pleasure. And stay tuned next week, guys, as we hear from charting legend... And one of the most popular guests on Talking Trading, Peter Brandt. Peter has been trading the Bitcoin market, and we hear his thoughts on the mania. I'm Caroline Stephen. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary, and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.